0: Welcome to this week's Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. There's still a lot going on. There seems to be a lot going on every single week. Um, And it is starting to have an impact on the property market. What we're seeing at the moment is that the market is going through a little bit of a lull period, which is expected considering election periods and all of those kind of things. But I can tell you now, what you've got to look to is the underlying market, the underlying strength and what's actually happening economically. And when you look at that, we've got some very strong fundamentals and those fundamentals are likely to result in even stronger uh, property prices as we move through this lull period. So let's get into it. What are we gonna be covering in this week's chat? Well, first of all, the Labor has come out with their plan, if they get elected, uh, to give $300,000 to to home buyers. I'll explain how all of that works in a minute why the inflation data actually shocked a lot of economists and scared the RBA into increasing rates, which we've already seen. You've already probably heard about that. Uh, We're up at uh, 0.35%. Now, look, everyone goes, oh, my goodness, it was 25 basis points that it went up. And it did. But you've got to remember, we were sitting at the lowest interest rate we have had in like ever in this country. So it's really not that bad. We're we'll going to be talking about the two big factors uh, that are driving those inflation numbers, and why uh, they mean that the rate hikes probably won't last. So they won't continue to go bam, bam, bam and increase the interest rates as uh, a lot of the a lot of the scaremongering on mainstream media is actually indicating. Why health households have uh, plenty of room to digest uh, rate hikes, and why some economists think rates might even fall next year, Mm, we'll see about that. The big winners uh, from the labor housing policy that they've come out with if they get elected is the impact on the uh, first home buyer market which obviously impacts property markets right across the board. So let's get into it. The first thing I wanna talk about here is inflation. Now inflation has come in very, very hot. A lot of that is due to what's happening internationally um, what's happened in America and also, of course, what's happening in the Ukraine and Russia and all of that sort of business. So, inflation came in hotter than expected, uh, with cost of living pressures rising, um, rising to right across the board. Now, headline inflation is now running at around about 5.1%. That's the highest since the year 2000. Now, the trimmed mean of that, which means, you know, after the normal adjustments, is it's coming in at 3.7. Now, this is higher than the, the Reserve Bank of Australia was targeting, which their target was around that 2 to 3%. So this is a, an interesting chart because what it looks at here is the increase um, that we're having in inflation. But, but because it goes right back to the early 1900s, You can see there where we have been running. And yes, we're above where we we have been running, obviously, because we've had very low inflation, uh, but it's starting to creep up. Now, this is a correction from the very low inflation that we have had in recent times. Now, you can look at where it's been in the past. I mean, we're nowhere near the 70s and the 80s where we had massive, uh, massive inflation or certainly not in the 50s when they deregulated the pricing on, uh, across the board after World War II. So, you know, we're very moderate in, in consideration to where we have been in the past. So I wouldn't be too scared about things. A lot of, a lot of the inflation that's coming in is probably temporary, um, depending on how long the war lasts in the Ukraine and what's happening with fuel prices, because that is a big factor. Uh, but I do think that the uh, another strength in the inflation figures is actually rents, because we have a massive uh, shortage. But that's going to correct itself too. You know, as more and more properties come onto the market, uh, rents will start to adjust with the demand and supply curve. This chart shows you uh, the difference in spending. So we're seeing here that it's non-discretionary spending that's going up, and a lot of that is due to fuel. Because regardless of whether it's fuel that you're putting in your car, it filters through everything else. You know, the cost of freight, the cost of agriculture, therefore the cost of food, all of these things run through, and it's really on the back of fuel. So this imported um, inflation that we're getting is having an impact and obviously you've seen that by the figures but it's not a real internal inflation what's going to drive that is more well rents as i mentioned before but also wage rises you know there's a lot of industrial reaction at the action at the moment and we're going to see more of that. And when wages go up, that's what's going to uh, you know, cause a bit more of inflation. However, I rem- remember I spoke to you, I think it was last week, about um, how the wage rises are actually happening. And it's not so much that people are lobbying for a wage rise, although some obviously are, particularly those in government jobs and, and you know, in steadfast jobs like the stevedores and things like that. Uh, it's actually a lot of people who are considering moving from their current position to another position has got a higher pay. So when all of that t- comes into play, it actually evens out the market and the net result is that wages go up because people have to have a higher, uh, they offer a higher wage in order to attract that staff. Uh, there you have it. There's petrol pricing. You know, petrol pricing remains historically high despite the temporary reduction of the fuel excise. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've been looking at the pumps, we might have had a bit of a drop, but guess where it is now? It's back up to where we were and even higher, and that's just, that's just gouging, in my opinion. This rents is um, a big part of the inflation, and you can see there how much rents have increased on a year-on-year basis from March 21 to March 22. Look at Darwin, 11.3%. It's only really Sydney and Melbourne that are either in the negative or just positive, And the reason for that has been the oversupply in units. We're still going through churning up and trying to pick up on all those uh, oversupplied units that, were, that have been there. And I've been talking about that for you know, a couple of years now. But you can see there across the board, uh, Perth is obviously high. Now, they're, they're both very strong mining uh, states. They're strong um, uh, fly-in, fly-out states. So a lot of that has been, well, let's just stay in the state in place we go into lockdowns and all of those other things again. So a lot of that, again, I think is temporary. Um, Hobart, Hobart's well up there. Um, but that's a, that's a steady move. Uh, and you can see the others for yourself. You know, Canberra's up, uh, Brisbane's running pretty pretty ordinary, really at 3.7%, and Adelaide's down at 2.2.8%. Uh, so inflation has increased sharply for both imported items and domestically sourced items. So uh, you can see there the the difference between the two, and both of them are right up there. So internally. It's mainly, um, you know, the add-on effects of the fuel and what it does to our food and, you know, the the flow-on effect of that and importing of, obviously, again, it's fuel and freight and being able to import things, um, you know, it just costs more. And then you've got lockdowns in China, where a lot of our products still come from China, um, that is is causing huge delays. I don't know whether you've seen the amount of of, uh, shipping containers that are sitting out of Shanghai that can't go in, because of all of the lockdowns that are happening there with their zero corona policy. I don't know how long that's going to last. So, Australians, this is an interesting little stat I thought I might throw in there for you. Australians are Googling the word inflation more than they have for a very long time. In fact, um, ever since GFC back in 2008. This is the most uh, we have been Googling that word. So you're all very interested in what's going to happen from an inflation perspective. Uh, now, obviously, we're talking about inflation, we're talking about you know record highs and all of these things. But let's put it into perspective. Because when you look at our inflation rate compared to the world, we are right down there. You know, the the, um, the untrimmed rate is running at 5.1. But look at Russia <laughs> at 13, po- sorry, 16.7. Uh, the Czech Republic at 12.7. Uh, Poland at 11%. Now, obviously, they're all affected by what's going on over there in the Ukraine. But look at New Zealand, nearly 7%. Uh, Germany, 7.3%. Iceland, 6.7%. And then you go to Canada, 6.7%. Skipping down to, uh, let's go, uh, Denmark at 5.4%. So the ones that are actually below us are places like India at, uh, at 5%, uh, Norway, uh, France, Korea, Israel, Switzerland, China at 1.1%. Well, that's because it's all controlled. But Japan, surprisingly, at 1.2%. So that's interesting. Anyway, it's nothing to really be concerned about. I think a lot of the, um, the pressure at the moment is temporary. We'll you know, go on for a bit, but ultimately it'll level itself out. The next thing we want to talk about is the rate hikes. Now, obviously, the RBA has come in and increased the official uh, rate from 0.1% to 0.35%. That's 25 basis points. Many economists have uh, ramped up expectations for an aggressive rate hike, which follows stronger inflation figures. However, you know, it's not clear that the inflation pressures are permanent. That's why I spent that time talking about inflation. And some economists expect that rates um, to only rise modestly. And I'm afraid I'm one of those. I think rates will go up, but I think they'll go up very steadily. And look, they need to. Um, You know, they they need to to go up to keep keep the economy ticking along and other things. We have had a hell of a run with the low, low interest rates, but they're going to still be low for quite a considerable amount of time. Um, They're not going to roar up to the, you know, 15% and things like this, like some of the economists expected it to do through coronavirus, which obviously didn't happen, went the other way. Um, We're probably talking, you know, small interest rates, uh, interest rate rises over the next few years. So the RBA turns ultra hawkish with large interest rate rises. So the first one, they thought, okay, let's just put it up. We're going to put it up 25 basis points rather than creep it, creep it. Um, And then that should settle things down for a bit. And I think they'll be waiting quite a while before they do anything else. So the RBA has started the climb as uh, as this shows. And it's interesting that they did it pre the election. I would have actually thought they would have done it after the election, but they probably thought they can't wait any longer. Um, And the cash rate target versus the Uh, The government bond yields, you can see there that uh, the yields on bonds um, have, uh, you know, the the, the blue ones there, have gone up. So the expectation is that interest rates will actually go up. So for the longer term, they're starting to rise. But they were very low for a very long time. If you can see there through COVID, you know, we had um, dramatically low bond yields uh, through all of that period. So the Reserve Bank um, of Australia is tipped to raise interest rates to tame inflation, start to bring that back a little bit, uh, with markets expected to uh, expecting the cash rate to uh, go to about 1.1%. Now, that's not too bad um, over the, the next six months and maybe hit 2.5% um, per percent by December. I don't think they'll get anywhere near that by December. I think it's going to take much, much longer than that for the, the rates to actually increase. Households are currently running at um, at just 4.4 percent of their disposable income, uh, which means 4.4 percent of their income is going to paying their mortgage. So, you know, you can typically go you can go up to 30 percent of the income paying the mortgage, and things are pretty tough at that. But it's sustainable at 30 percent, and we're running at 4.4. So, you know, it's not that bad, really. Rates are going up, um, and then uh, straight back down. Now, this is according to um, Macquarie and uh, uh, you know they expect it to actually come down again. I don't know that that's going to happen either. I think we're going to have some moderate increases and it'll probably stabilize after that. So this is the annual change in um, in CPI which is our inflation which indicates our inflation rate, so how much things have gone up and you can see there the big one at 13.7% is fuel And also transport, which is basically fuel. And that then feeds into into the other factors like food and beverage. um, Alcohol and tobacco has gone up a little bit. um, Education's gone up. uh, Insurances have gone up because of all the floods and all of the natural disasters that we've had. And uh, recreation and culture has gone up a little bit too because they've been shut down for so long. A lot of the prices have gone up to try and recoup some of that. So, you know, that's, that gives you some idea. Obviously, rents have gone up as well because of the strong housing market um, and, uh, and property prices have gone up as well. So what's this Labor policy that they've come out with? So if they get elected, what they say is that Labor has proposed a shared equity scheme for 10,000 places, taking 30% take stake in existing housing and a 40% stake in new homes. Um, you must be earning less than $90,000 as a single and $120,000 as a couple to qualify. Well, what does that actually mean? Well, it means that basically 40% of the suburbs will qualify for the uh, loan scheme boost and then a percentage of those may qualify if Labor gets in for this uh, in pledge and that they'll own the house with you. So what that basically said is you can get into a property or, or refinance your property to a 5% deposit uh, if you meet those low income requirements. The government will take either a 30% stake for existing properties and a 40% stake for, uh, for new homes. And there's a lot of other detail in there as well. Uh, But homeowners can keep the value of any renovations and improvements. Well, I don't know how they're actually going to measure that and what the formulas are, because how do you know how much that new kitchen has actually added to the value of the property? You're going to have to get the damn thing valued all the time. So as an example, on a $900,000 property, which is a $900,000 price cap for Sydney, 30% of that is $270,000. I personally think this is a nightmare waiting to happen. It's an election grab. When you get into the detail, it's going to be an absolute disaster. That's what I think about it. Uh, it takes much longer to save a deposit now than it has in the past, even though through COVID, we had a, you know, a massive saving period and we saved more than we ever did uh, you know, in, in previous years. And we've got more cash now than we ever have. However, the process of actually saving for a deposit is taking um, a twenty, you know, it's taking taking longer because uh, prices have gone up that much, and that's you know we all know that story. Many pensioners are actually uh, living in poverty because they actually have to rent, and uh, it's it's those who are really going to hurt the most. But uh, you know, as a, according to some some spokespeople here, Labor's housing policy will pour fuel on the fire, and I tend to agree with that. If this ever came to, pla- to, pla- to pace, to place, <laughs> um, then uh, it's only going to increase the housing prices. So it's kind of, you know, the, it might be trying to give in one hand, but it's actually making the situation worse. It will exacerbate things. It will it, prices will further increase, and it's going to be an administration nightmare. And I think it's going to be another one of those pink back fiascos that we had a few years ago. Anyway, that's my opinion. I want to talk specifically about indecision because indecision is the enemy of progress. And whenever we have an election, everyone goes into indecision. Don't know what's going to happen. What about this? What about that? (gasps) What about interest rates? What about inflation? What about whatever? And nothing happens. Everybody goes into stall mode. So nobody progresses. But for those who are not indecisive and those who can actually see opportunities, oh my goodness, is it a good time. We're starting to see the market slow a little bit because of this indecision. We're starting to see opportunities come up. We're starting to see auctions start to slow. And all that means that there's a huge opportunity for a very short space of time for the educated investor to take action with the right kind of property deal, not just a property, but a deal and uh, and make some serious coin because it won't last I can tell you the fundamentals are too strong indecision and delays are the parents of failure absolutely and if i decide to be indecisive well that's my decision so that's my thoughts for the week i hope you take that on board and more importantly i'd like you to get out of indecision now to do that what i want you to do is book one of my 60 minute real estate breakthrough sessions with one of my advisors. They are very well versed. They are amazing. They can help you through all sorts of things. Talk to them about your goals. Talk to them about where you want to head and what you want to achieve. And they will talk to you about how you can go about achieving those goals. So all you've got to do is to go to iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash and one of my advisors will be uh, you, know, you can pick a time that suits you and one of my advisors will be there to to have a bit of a chat with you. So amazing opportunity there. Um, it, is, it is the way to go. And if you, you know, don't sit in the indecision mode and do nothing and put things off because every time you do that, you're actually missing out on profits. So that's it for me this week. That's my Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. I hope you enjoyed it. And I'll be back again next week to help you out with some, some more things that are going on. Talk to you then. Bye now.